welcome writers, game masters, and creatives to the World Builders Tavern. Today we are talking about Andy Weir's novel, Project Hail Mary, so spoiler warnings if you haven't read this book. Now grab an ale and pull up a chair. I'm Emma, your friendly barkeep, along with Allison. Hello. And Christiana. Hi. We are so happy to have you all here. Cheers. 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 Okay, this book was awesome. This is my first time reading it. I'm so excited to talk about it. Christiana Yay. and Allison, had you both read it before or just Allie? Just Allie. Just this Allie. was my suggestion. So this yep. is my second time reading it. And it does not fail the second time either. <laughs> it was, oh my gosh, so much fun. And I actually read it aloud to my husband um, who hadn't read it. And I knew he would love it. And he did. And it was amazing. It's awesome. The world building and the world building is great. Yeah. It's, uh, have either of you read The Martian? By Andy I have Weir. not. Yes. It's on my list now, though, after reading this one. Yes, it's very, yeah, he has a very distinctive style, and I love yes. The Martian. So as soon as this was suggested, I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to love it, and I did. <laughs> I also loved The Martian. Andy Weir has this very, I think he has this love of kind of sarcastic characters a little mm -hmm. bit. I would say mm -hmm. The Martian's main character is a little bit more sarcastic than ryland grace's but there you still yeah. kind of feel that and uh just the very very heavy science which almost reads like a textbook at some point yes. and it baffles me why i like it so much like why i like this book so much because i feel like that would just be boring like why am yeah. i not bored by this stuff mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie I once he anytime there was like a solid paragraph about math, I did not read it. <laughs> That's fair. You can't I kind of skimmed it. Yeah, I skimmed it because I I became a writer, so no one will ever ask me to do math. That's my <laughs> my whole career is based around. I'm terrible at it. It makes me gives me anxiety to even look at a string of numbers. <laughs> So I those, probably would have done the yeah. same thing, except I was reading it aloud. Ah, so like so I had really to go yeah. like go over that stuff. And but I still didn't find it hard. Like it was yeah. still super interesting. Yeah. I think fictional or like pseudoscience is really hard to do. A mm -hmm. because it's hard to get something. And I mean, I'm not a mathematician or a scientist, and I'm sure that people who actually like deal with space stuff are reading this going, wow, that's all wrong. But to me, a layperson. <laughs> It seemed plausible, like the, the the explanations he was making up. I was like, okay, sure, I buy into this. But also that they are not boring, but also that you don't need to understand them in order to understand the world. Like you can mm -hmm. just yeah. skip them and just understand the premises. Oh, well, he calculated such and such. And, and yeah. it's really hard to balance all those three things. And I think we did a really good job in the book of doing that. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure scientists are poking holes all over this thing. Totally. But I really like that Andy Weir does tend to start from what is potentially possible. Yeah, and then I did goes Google from it, there. actually, because I was like, is any of this, like, correct? Possible? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, apparently, almost all of it's correct. He, yeah. he does his very best to ensure that it's correct. And then he says he gives himself a couple gimmies per book. <sighs> I mean, Which, that is like Xenonite or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, like obviously Zenonite. we don't have the technology. I mean, because Astrophage doesn't exist. So it's yes. all yeah. hypothetical, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. But I, that is how he wrote The Martian, though, was how would someone survive on yeah. Mars? What are things that could go wrong? How would you solve this with science kind of thing? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I think that's one of the things to balance or a good way of balancing with science or even with the magic system, because often, you know, pseudoscience and magic are not that dissimilar in in that there are ways that kind of break the current science of our world. But I think a good thing is to, you have to be A, internally consistent because you you can only ask people to buy into so many things. And if you're breaking your own rules, it's not going to work. And then also basing it as much in reality as possible and then doing a few things that sort of skew from that also I think help with that because you're only asking your readers to believe a couple of crazy things instead of like Mm -hmm. a ton yeah I mean I have no problem with like science fantasy where you just kind of make up everything Mm -hmm. also but that's not what this genre is and and I think no one does it as well as Andy Weir Mm -hmm. yeah he even like this is this is a bit about the Martian, but he, as someone who works in communications and does a lot of PR, the PR person in the Martian. Ooh, that's a very accurate portrayal of some mm. meetings I've been in. <laughs> you know, like everything he does feels weirdly researched, except for, and I'll bring this up later. There's one line. There's Ooh. one line that I highlighted oh. and said oh, no. Now we hear what it is. <laughs> it's so yeah. it's so tiny and nitpicky and stupid. But <laughs> honestly, the most unbelievable thing in this world, um, you know, having just come from the pandemic and being really cynical, is the fact that the world actually worked together uh, to defeat yes. Astrophage yeah. uh, and didn't just ignore it and hoped it would go away. Yeah, um, I found that actually took me out of it a little bit. So I was like, this is not how this like, happened. Yeah, right. We've just seen this. I but, mean, they uh... do say like Strat does say, say when she. She's trying to convince um, Grace to go on the ship. She's like, the world is going to become hell. We're going to all yeah. break out into war. We are not going to be together yeah. on this. So yeah. like, I did think That's that was true. pretty There realistic. wasn't at least an acknowledgement of it. Yeah. And I think I think the, the character of Strahd was necessary yes. to move the story along. Because for every one of these things, you couldn't have, well, all of these governments had to get together and debate it or whatever. So even though perhaps that's really unrealistic that one person would just be appointed basically like emperor of the earth. I, I think in this story, you it, needed it, it. Just yeah. otherwise it would become an unbearable like political story. I do think humanity was very smart in appointing Strat. She, yes. She's a wonderful character. I really she's love a great her. Yeah. character. I mean, she's a, kind of a terrible person, I think, but she's a I great character. She is. Everything you know, she did was to save humanity. Like, I, And she yes. had to make those hard choices. That Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I think maybe one of the hallmarks of somebody being, being able to make those hard choices is being a bad person. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Dr- like, drugging someone and shoving and them into a spaceship on a basically. suicide mission is yeah. a little, <laughs> it's a little, little morally gray. But like, you gotta <laughs> do what you gotta do to save humanity, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she was a bad person. <laughs> I think she was a very, very driven person. Yeah, I think she she would say that whether she's a good or bad person is entirely irrelevant. Like exactly, she doesn't matter. Person, yeah, yeah, Yeah. matter. Also, I realized I said Strahd instead of Strat, like Strat, Strat, and that's because my my D and D campaign is playing Curse of Strat. (laughs) It's in your mind. She's not an immortal vampire. Just to clarify for everybody. Well, Um, we don't know that it wasn't explicitly stated. (laughs) The best sort of world building is where you can never confirm or deny if a character is exactly a vampire. So this book is in my like top ten books of all time. I, um, yeah, really? That checks out. I loved The Martian, but I don't think I would put it in my top 10 list. And I think the Ooh. reason that this book breaks that barrier 
is because of the relationship between Ryland and yes. Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my god, Rocky. Adorable. I love oh my Rocky. gosh! Like every this book made me cry. Like, oh, like ugly cry. Every chapter, yeah. I would like have to pause and put the book down and just look at my husband and be like, "Rocky's so wonderful," <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> "Yeah." The parts, huge spoiler. I know we already gave spoiler warnings, but the part where we it's just kind of assumed Rocky is just floating away in space on his own to die. Mm-hmm. I. Ever since I finished that book, I think about it once a day and feel bad. (laughs) I know he was saved, but I just put myself in Rocky's position. And I'm like, oh, it's so sad he didn't deserve Uh, that. Like, yeah. Okay. Let's not, let's not do the end right yet. I want to talk about when um, Rocky and Ryland first meet, because there's Mm. so much to unpack here about the world building. First of all, we have the language barrier. Yep. So maybe we talk about that a little bit. I know Christiana wants to talk yeah. about nonverbal communication. So let's get yeah. into that. I'm a big giant dork um, <laughs> who works in communications <laughs> and is doing a master's in communications. And communications, I eat, sleep, and breathe communications. I thought they handled that so well because hmm. working in communications, I have thought about this question so many times. Like, what would I do if I was the first person <laughs> to meet an alien? I think about it constantly because it's such an interesting <laughs> exercise career-wise, but also mm. just like, I want to meet an alien. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought they were so smart about it because yeah. I'm like, God, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that is exactly right. Like the 3D <laughs> models. Yep. Showing the galaxy to pinpoint where home worlds are yep. and the 3D models of ships. And then I thought the kind of like the beads with strings showing the molecules and then mm-hmm. the number of the beads with strings to show the di- differences in atmospheres. Yep. I was like, oh, such a brilliant way to communicate. Like that's so, that's so smart to me. And because it's such a, I, I, I have an example, which is very silly, but to try and like say how these communications happen. So I worked for a park system for a long time. Dog poop is a problem in parks. So we, you put up a sign saying, please pick up your dog poop. Okay, but not everyone reads English. So then how do you portray that in images? Do you have a little stick figure person picking up a piece of poop? Okay, that's great. How do you know it's dog poop? You have to have the dog in there, right? Mm-hmm. And then how do you make sure that in simple forms, what a dog looks like? Like, what is the base form of a dog? Yeah. Like, there's so many things that you have to consider when you're trying to communicate non-verbally and like even visual rhetoric and things like that, right? Like the way restaurants are painted in certain with certain colors to try and make you feel cozy and warm like there's so much more to communication than just words Mm. and I think that it could be an easy thing to fall into and they they did eventually get to language and it makes sense why they would want language and I think one of the tiny little holes in this and how they communicate is like how do you if you so if you could speak in multiple notes how are you not saying five words at the same time? Mm-hmm. Like that could have been the way that he spoke. Yeah. Why aren't his sentences like, just like one quote why, unquote, why word? Yeah. yeah. Why? Why are this? Why do we have the same sentence structure? Yes. As a completely different species. Yeah. yeah. But I that's mean, one I of the. I do like that. Um, we are sort of touches on that a little bit in that Rocky does have a bit 
a different grammar. Like he yes. ends each word with question. Yeah, but that's yes. really cute. Just kind <laughs> of adorable. So um, yeah. So it, like it's sort of there, but it's obviously not as yeah. it would realistically be, right? But that's one of the gimbies that had to happen. Yeah. Yes. Of or course. Or so unreadable. <laughs> exactly. That's one of the things where I'm like, never in a million years would they have these like even some like how would we know that they have subject verb sentences yeah. subject verb yeah. direct object like yeah how do you explain you know? the word the like it, yeah, yeah exactly like, it would have taken also a lot longer for yeah. them to become as fluent as they were yes but i think it would take longer i think that that worked really well for the book because i was a little apprehensive when they first started doing the communication i was like <sighs> okay how long is this going to go on for yeah, exactly exactly but, you know, it was like one chapter really dedicated to like okay here's how we're doing this and then after that, it was like, we've established this. We don't have to go into this every time sort of thing. And then exactly. it was just brought up from time to time, like, oh, what's this one particular word as yeah. like a fun tale? And I but, think, yeah, the gimme works because he did such a good job with the nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because it wouldn't be, he could have kind of copped out and been like two weeks later. We, we figured, figured out, out how to yeah, talk yeah, to yeah, each other. Totally. Yeah, he could have. It was so much better this way. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah, believable. It really but- show, yeah. It one showed the process. He, mm-hmm. One thing uh, Ryland does comment on is how like nouns are really hard because like how do you s- translate like names like Ryland? Right. Proper nouns. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. yeah proper proper nouns. Sound. Yeah. yeah. And he ends up saying that um, Rocky His ends last- up calling him Grace because. Yes they have a shared word for grace and i was a little bit like mm, how <laughs> they... did you like <laughs> how did you communicate what that was yeah. like that wouldn't have just been a quick <laughs> yeah. two minute conversation this is an esoteric concept of forgiveness let's just like, real yeah it's a that. very complex word <laughs> that they might not even have a word for i think that would have taken a bit longer but what i it's fine it's fine because yeah. we yeah. don't need to read that yeah that's yeah knowing what you need to explain and what you don't need to explain i feel like we come up back to this every time we talk about world building but it really is just <laughs> yeah. like yeah. the crux of world building is just like know when to stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and also i think that's one of the things too about writing genre fiction is there's a certain amount of buy-in that your audience is automatically doing yeah, because they you already, know that we like... are reading non-real non-realistic stories your audience is prepared to buy into it so you're allowed to do that you don't have to get too bogged down by your fake science being like Mm -hmm. okay well what's the exact like you have to do it to a certain degree but you don't have to get too hung up on it because as long as you're internally consistent and you know have some plausibility for people to sink into they'll believe you because we want to believe you that's what makes the story fun i also one of the things i love about this alien so much is that it's not a humanoid like yeah that's yeah. so overdone in sci-fi and it's for good reason is because sci-fi in tv shows had be, human yeah. actors yeah. and it's hard <laughs> not to make them look, not look human. human you know so we have uh-huh. so many human looking aliens but just the fact that rocky's like this rocky spider is just yeah. amazing yeah yeah and I'm terrified of spiders. So yes. when he first described Rocky, I was like, ew, uh, I hate yeah. this. And then eventually <laughs> I was like, oh, Rocky, sweet love Rocky. Yeah, I love that Ryland tells him that he looks kind of like this creepy, creepy, creepy creature. And, and Rocky's like, yes, I am dangerous creature. Sarcastically, like, yeah. it's so yeah. funny. It's very cute. Um, but yeah, so his, oh, I just love how, weird years deals with his physiology so having like 
five legs or arms, whatever they are. Yeah. And and just certain times where like they just can't like get into each other's headspace. Like there's a point where Ryland is fixing something on the ship and he's like, I can't do that I can't unscrew this thing. And Rocky's like, why not? And he's like, well, I have this in one hand and I'm holding mm. on with the other. And Rocky's like, yeah. well, just use your other Oh, wait. <laughs> use your third <laughs> hand. Yeah, yeah, you use that third hand. And just like adjusting to each other's differences. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that um what was it when they brought up the fact that if they said something was cultural, they just kind of both went with it. And like yeah. there was the understanding yeah. that they wouldn't understand, but that you just need yeah. to respect that it's important to the other person which oh, really is just was, a great life lesson that like can amazing. we all just do yeah. this like it doesn't this... matter if you think that watching me sleep is weird i need you to do this so just do it like yeah. <laughs> exactly okay there was one point in the story where ryland abuses this so they're they're heading back to rocky's ship and ryland wants to work on the science of astrophage and it would be way safer to wait the 11 days to get to the ship because you right. have to like unspool it but he doesn't want to because he's impatient right yeah and rocky kept keeps like being like but why like it's yeah. safer to do this and and Ryland eventually says it's a human thing and then Rocky yeah. goes with it and both my husband and I are like no you're being stupid like this is a stupid decision yeah. I could like destroy humanity and destroy yeah. your ship just because you're impatient yeah. and he does it anyway and then it, it ends up working out fine and I actually was surprised by that I thought that was going to cause a problem yeah Although, uh, to be fair, it, it is a human thing. Ru- yeah, ruining things <laughs> is entirely a human thing, which is... It is our culture very much as humans yeah. to yeah. be impatient and ruin yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised by the fact that I really enjoyed the amnesia trope. Yeah. Um, well, actually, so I wasn't surprised that I enjoy it because I actually do. I really like this trope when it's done well. <laughs> so I guess I was just pleasantly surprised that it was done well. Um, I thought that Weir did a really good job of balancing when to do flashbacks, how much information to reveal, um, the things that he you learned things about Grace's character kind of as he did, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. And things then would make sense, like, oh, well, well why isn't he swearing? This is weird. And you're like, oh, well, because he's an elementary school teacher. Like, he's I not going to be adorable. All his, yeah. all his, like, almost yeah. swears. And he yeah. does actually swear a couple times. I'm yes, just, like, really which has serious. so much impact when yeah. he first sees Rocky. And that's yeah. the first time he swears in the book. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this is really has this that impact. And I also, I really like the trope of, like, you being your own enemy without you realizing it which mm-hmm. i like for this like amnesia thing and it reminded me of um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy zaphod Beeblebrock says something similar <laughs> where a past version of himself embarked on a quest but like erased his mind so his future self wouldn't know about it and i, I just love that trope i love the <laughs> idea that like past you has screwed over present you and in this I... case it wasn't entirely his choice but it was like really funny i um I'm going to be the odd one out. I did not like the amnesia trope. Really? Oh, interesting. Um, Same more. I thought it was interesting. I did like it. I did like the way it revealed information, but I was so annoyed as someone, again, communications. Why mm. would you not just have a manual of what the whole project is yeah. on that ship? Yeah. Like, would you not prepare a package for every person knowing that's a possibility? If you want this thing to actually happen, 
and save humanity? Would they not wake up with a little book on their chest like, hey, you've been in a medically induced coma for yeah. three years. And yeah. This is who you are. This is what you're doing. And that bothered me the entire time. Every time I couldn't remember something, I was like, where's the manual? Yeah, was that like... just kind of expecting at least two people to survive or something? Yeah, which like, seems weird because yeah. they did have all these fail safes, but then the yeah. like idea that That's people like would die on the journey would just... Yeah. Especially because she knew she was sending one of them in with amnesia. She already had one third of your crew that that doesn't know what's going on automatically. So, like, maybe they're so lucky that he wasn't the one who died. Because if he had died and the other two had lived, humanity would be dead. Like, yep. Crazy that they didn't. I know they couldn't send more people because you have to have, like, a relatively small ship. But, like, also, why did they just send two ships? Like, why didn't they send this first ship and then send their second ship? They only had enough astrophage for one. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry. Never mind. I take it back. That would have been smart if they had more. Yeah. But, But yeah, yeah. that's the one thing that that's, like, the one genuine flaw Mm. that I found in this book that genuinely irked me. Because if you want, like, why would that's so that is not how you handle a crisis. Like that's not, <laughs> yeah. that is not what you like, especially Strat. Strat oh, yeah. would not have that oversight. No. Give them the book. Yeah. And then have it that like, I don't know, it, it rotted with the people or whatever. Like yeah, all the books it, got it blasted into space or like plan. something. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. put it there and then destroy it. Cause it I- irked me so much that <laughs> I was like, that is such a big oversight. I can't believe it. Like I was so frustrated, yeah. but. I read a book review that said something similar for this book that was like, NASA is built on checklists. The fact that there is not a checklist of like the <laughs> yeah, mission exactly. is just yeah. like insane. Like you would never do that. Yeah. Yeah. I did so that really was... like the review, how information about the mission yes. and about Ryland's person, like about him as a character mm-hmm. was revealed. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he had memories. It's no, exactly. that's what I mean. I liked I I liked what it did for the story. It was literally yeah. just that one thing yeah. that I was like, that's "Oh fair. my god, that's seriously." Fair. Yeah. I I find it really interesting that all of his character growth kind of happened off-screen in that like when we see him as a character, he's already like the selfless, like heroic one because he's in space and saving it, and then you learn that he was actually this coward, but at that point he's already undergone the growth and then goes back to save Rocky, you know? So it's not even like we yeah. see him. I don't we know kind of he had, I feel like him choosing to save Rocky was the was. growth moment. Yeah. That's what I felt. Well, see, I, I feel like that showed the growth, but mm. I don't, but I think he was already, like, I think he would have done that at the beginning of the story as we see him when he wakes up as well. I don't know if he would I don't have. Think I, so. think, no. I yeah. think that's the whole point that he had mm. this choice and he could have made the selfish decision and like because he could have just gone home to earth and then he decides Mm. nope i'm gonna change i'm not gonna be a coward and Mm, saves rocky i thought i really loved that yeah i also this is kind of off topic from character growth but it's something that i it threw me back this is my own memory this is my own driving grace (laughs) moment um i distinctly remember in college being in a creative writing course and the instructor saying, don't you dare ever start a story with someone waking up. Yeah. It is done to death. <laughs> but then she added, if you're going to do it, it has to be gross and visceral. Like there has to be a very distinct and disturbing reason for that person to be waking up. Interesting. And this kind of followed that at first as soon as I was like, 
and I drift back to sleep. I was like, ah, oh, Andy Weir, <laughs> <laughs> you broke the rule. But then he broke the rule in a beautiful and delicious way. So it's okay. So. Yeah. 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 The trick is how to know when you're that one exception. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it when you're Andy Weir, but maybe yeah. you can't you're, do if it. If you're not Andy Weir, you're you not might allowed not. to do this. <laughs> you are, <laughs> but you might not be able to do it as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and there might Definitely. be better ways to intro yeah. your book. Mm-hmm. And I'd say for sure, if it's your first novel or your first video game or your first thing, don't have them waking up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, avoid it. Once you've got a couple projects under your belt, uh, then then go for it. But I'd say rule of thumb is don't have your character. And I've done the same thing. I, I started a book with a character waking up, and uh, <laughs> one of my beta readers was like, "Why are you doing this?" It's like, "Oh, because it's easy. <laughs> it's just the thing to do." Yeah. The, what what I did in that class is I immediately forgot what she said and started my story with someone waking up <laughs> immediately in that class. But it was really really gross and. Weird. Weird. And so she was like, yeah. you get a you get a pass on this one because it was That's really awesome. gross and weird and disorienting. And so there you I was go. Like, yeah. Didn't, e- didn't even gross. remember it. <laughs> Speaking of gross and weird, aliens eating, man. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. Rocky's physiology, super interesting. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. have an immune system. Yep. I'm just Boils germs in his own blood. Uh, yeah. Eating isn't enjoyable and is actually something you do in private, which yeah. I found fascinating. And I'm just curious how, like, Andy Weir decided the did he like go like, okay, here are normal things about humans. How can mm-hmm. I do yeah. the opposite, mm-hmm. or how can I do something different? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like this was a writing project for him. First of all, to show off how sciencey and smart he is. Uh, <laughs> second of all, to be like, I am going to absolutely annihilate the humanoid alien trope. Mm, <laughs> yes, yeah, I almost felt this... like yeah, a vendetta against the humanoid <laughs> alien trope. Like, I am going to do it so different; it's going to be unrecognizable. Yeah, and yet he didn't go as different as he could have. Like, yes. there are a ton oh, yeah. of things which he kind of excuses by, "Oh, we were we had the same ancestor." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just with culture and the quickness of their ability to communicate. Um, yeah. Even like Rocky picks up things like thumbs up really quickly. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the fist bump. Oh my God. I, I say to Jordan all the time now, fist my bump. Fist my bump. <laughs> I loved that because I have a very good friend who is French and English is the second language and the first time we did fist bump like they knew what it was but they didn't know what the thing was in English so they said uh-huh. fights my punch yes. <laughs> now I say that all the time so as soon as I got to that line I was like that is a tricky thing that like that is genuinely something to be confused about that's amazing yeah well this seems like a great time for proprietors pick so Allison do you want to talk to us about a book I do an upcoming book from this year. Um, This one was tough because no one writes like Andy Weir. So at first I was looking up for like something really sciencey and I'm like, I'm not going to get anywhere with that. (laughs) But one of the things I love most about Project Hail Mary is how two very different lives come together and they have to work together, Mm -hmm. um, which is also the theme in the book I'm about to tell you about. If you liked Project Hail Mary, you might like 
Secret Project Number Three by Brandon Sanderson. And if that seems like Ooh. a weird title, it and you don't know about Brandon Sanderson, uh, that book title will change. But Sanderson released a Kickstarter last year where he was like, "Hey, you guys, I'm gonna write." I was at four or five new books and release them this year, and you can kickstart them. Just imagine the machine. The, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to back the Kickstarter, but the shipping to Canada is insane. Same, same. I was like, <laughs> I want these books, but I'm going to have to buy them later because... Yeah. Um, so this is his third project in this series. It doesn't have an official name yet, um, but I'm sure it will soon. Uh, it's coming July 1 of this year. And here's the synopsis. Yumi comes from a land of gardens, meditation, and spirits, while Painter lives in a world of darkness, technology, and nightmares. When their lives suddenly become intertwined in strange ways, can they put aside their differences and work together to uncover the mysteries of their situation and save each other's communities from certain disaster? Sound familiar? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love Brandon Sanderson, and I know a lot of our listeners and members of our discord community do as well so i don't feel too bad about um talking about a really well-known book in this subject for this episode um, because I'm that really does excited. fit almost creepily well to yep. the general plot but yeah. it's a great example as to how you can take the same kind of journey and yeah, make and it something completely very, different i'm sure yeah. this will be a very different story um but i'm i'm excited to read it when it comes in july and if you do read it, tell us about it. Tweet at us. Come join our Discord and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Stand outside our windows with a stereo. Ooh, yeah, yeah there you go. Think about like, it. Yeah. Secret project number three sucked. <laughs> you suck for talking, for making me read it. Mediocre. Yep. Mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right. Well, until that book comes out, we're going to have to tide ourselves over with something and we might as well do it by writing and creating our own project. So if you're going to be writing or creating your own project between now and July, here are some questions you should ask yourself or things to think about. It is last call. Okay, I've got one. When you are creating an alien in your story, think about something really normal to humans and then how mm. you can make that either the opposite or different in the alien so for example we have two arms and with five fingers and Andy weir was like i'm gonna make my alien have five arms and that's a pretty simple one but then you can go even further and be like we go dig into culture like we eat with each other as a community thing it's not gross. <laughs> yeah. And then Andy Weir was like, let's make food a really private, cultural, kind of like going to the bathroom. Uh, in fact, it was going to the bathroom as well. So, you know, there's that. So think about what's normal. How do I make it not normal? How do I make this alien really different? Allie, yeah. when you said that, I just realized uh rocky has claws so we have two arms with five fingers and he has five arms with two fingers 
I thought he had three fingers. Does he yeah. have three fingers? Yeah, because no, that's, that's, that that's why he, <laughs> he thinks in base six. Because right. he has have... five arms with two plus one. <laughs> two plus one. It still works. <laughs> uh, all right, Christiana, what else do we think about other than two versus three fingers? Um, I would say if you're especially if you're going into science fiction. It is important for things to be internally consistent and to make sense within the story. But if you're going with hard sci-fi like this, you got to give yourself a gimme. Mm. Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be a textbook, not a novel, mm -hmm. right? Like if you truly only ever stick to things that have already been done and exist in science today, it's not science fiction, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. So pick and choose wisely. Yep. Like as we mentioned with the communications and the language, huge gimme huge gimme to assume that they have an even somewhat semblance of sentence structure like we do uh -huh. but the story would not work and it like it just literally wouldn't be a story without that gimme and exactly. it's a very forgivable one because everything else was still weird and you still showed the struggle of getting there but you know if you're doing hard sci-fi you gotta have. You gotta accept the fact that you're gonna, you're gonna have to have a little leniency <laughs> with it. Yeah, and I would say building off of that, my advice would be consider whether your story needs to be hard sci-fi because it doesn't have yeah. to be. You can do soft yeah. sci-fi. You can do fantasy. Uh, I think that doing hard sci-fi if you don't have a science background is gonna be really really tough, and you can do it for sure. But you don't have to. There's nothing more valid or or more scientific, like no more sci-fi-y about hard science fiction. You can do a soft science fiction and write just as good and just as interesting of a story. So consider whether hard sci-fi is what your genre is or if there's a different genre that would fit you and your experiences and your knowledge a little bit better. Interestingly enough, I recently read an article or a blog post or an e-newsletter. I can't remember what. <laughs> from, <laughs> from author um, Ada Hoffman, who wrote The Out the Outside, I think is the title oh. of the book. And it's like, I so I read the book and I was like, this felt really hard sci-fi. She's, she's not a scientist. She's a computer programmer. Mm -hmm. And the, just the way the book was written felt felt very similar to this book and just all this like science talk and stuff and she wrote an article about like how it's all nonsense but people still often call it hard sci-fi or think that it's real just because of like the way she structured the book hmm. um so like you can still get this kind mm -hmm. of feel and yeah. have your science be nonsense <laughs> um, if you want and if you do i recommend reading uh the outside uh, by Ada Hoffman, as it's a really good example of how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need to quickly air my grief with the one sentence yes. that bothered me. Oh, we me. almost forgot about it. Air your grief. This okay. is a new section called so much, so much, si yeah. <laughs> so much science. Clearly, so much research. And then there's the Canadian scientist from UBC, which oh, I was like, yeah. shout out UBC. That's cool. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> he said the provincial government of British Columbia and the national government of Canada. And I was like, no, I've worked for both of those. You would say the BC provincial government and the federal government. Mm. That is like no Canadian. Yeah, no one says the national, the national government, government ever. of Canada. Nobody has ever yeah. said that. Not even once. And that was like the one sentence that genuinely like, I was like, 
Andy Weir. Come on. <laughs> so if you write Canadians in your story, get a Canadian beta reader. Talk to, yeah, talk, talk to Canadians. Talk to a Canadian. <laughs> and that's closing time. Thank you so much for joining us at the Tavern. We hope to serve you here again. Now scram. Bye. Bye.